For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. McLean with a raging headache today as I continue to battle the funk, whatever this business is that's going around that everybody's got. I blame it on the kids. I blame it on your kids. I blame it on your kids for giving it to my kids and then bringing it home. How about that? I really don't blame your kids. But I blame somebody's kids. Somebody's at fault here. Stuff didn't come from my house. Overthelineshow.com is the place you can uh, keep up with all stuff and things over the line. We got a, a lot. Well, I say a lot. We got a little bit to get to today and a lot to say about it. And uh, we'll get to that in a moment. First of all, I caught some heat on the Over the Line Facebook page because yesterday, usually, I, I when I post a new podcast on social media to make it easy for people to find it, because some people just, they don't think to go subscribe to whatever podcast platform they use so they don't get a notification when a new show is posted. Um, I post it on Facebook and, and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. So people can just click and go. Click and go. And I usually accompany a meme or something along with it. And, I mean, it uh, it helps increase traffic and people share it and all that kind of stuff. And it just it, it helps in general. You know, it's not some sort of uh, diabolical marketing ploy. It's just, you know, you just put it up there and it, it helps, uh, helps get the word out. Because we want as many people to listen to this podcast as possible. 
Um, and so they went out posted yesterday, said, give me one word that describes Barack Obama. And then all of a sudden, there's people that say, this is disgusting. How dare you post this? How dare you keep this country divided with this nonsense? You're the reason this country is divided. Andrew McClain from Over the Line is the reason this country stays divided. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I just chalked it up to some people are just having a bad day, whatever. Uh, I was just kind of surprised that people that claim to listen to the show or listen to me on the radio all of a sudden find it absolutely shocking that I have a major problem with one Barack Hussein Obama. But so be it. And of course, when you post something like that, you know, we've got thousands of followers on the on the Facebook page, so you're going to have a handful of people that just want to make nasty comments or, you know, use obscene language. And, and we monitored that throughout the day because we knew that was going to happen, even though we asked people to keep it PG-13. And uh, so there was, I don't know, maybe only three or four comments that had to be deleted. Uh, but other than that, you know, everybody's just calling him evil, a Muslim, um, what else? Divisive, stirring up racism, which I hate to break it to some of y'all, but all those are pretty daggum accurate. <laughs> well, I'll give you the Muslim thing. He may not be a Muslim, but he sure as heck loves him some Muslims. <laughs> we know that. Anyway, that's uh, that's beside the point. We can talk about Barack Obama all day. We may just dedicate sometime soon a, a, an episode to bashing Barack Obama. One thing that uh, anybody that finds it absurd to to uh, give Barack Obama his his due, if you will, uh, in in criticism, I would just remind them that our current major headline, making it across. All the major outlets, at least in the conservative realm, where the Virginia governor has made some uh, absolutely crazy comments about abortion, your boy Barack Obama would probably be patting him on the back and saying, you know, he's right. He's right. We should kill the baby while it's, uh, after it's born. So if you haven't heard these comments, I guess we can just go ahead and start the show with that. Um, the governor from Virginia on a radio show, I'm not even sure what radio show this is, is asked about the abortion issue and when and where an abortion is, should be illegally allowed, uh, this, that, and the other. And we, we know Democrats have no qualms about killing babies. No qualms about killing babies at any given time, but they've never overtly expressed the desire to kill a baby after it's crowned. After the baby has actually been born, we've yet to hear that from Democrats, at least mainstream Democrats. Um, that has now changed, my friends. That is no longer uh, the case. And just to give you the full context of what was said on this radio show, I'm going to play you the entire two, excuse me, two and a half minute clip 
so you can fully grasp what was said here, and then I'll talk about it uh, here on the backside. Uh, Virginia governor uh, calmly discussing murder, murdering a baby. Here we go. No exception. There was a very contentious committee hearing yesterday when Fairfax County Delegate Kathy Tran made her case for lifting restrictions on third trimester abortions as well as other restrictions now in place. And she was pressed by a Republican delegate about whether her bill would permit an abortion, even as a woman is essentially dilating, ready to give birth. And she answered that it would permit an abortion at that stage of labor. Do you support her measure and, and explain? Her answer. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I wasn't there, uh, Julie, and I, I certainly can't speak for uh, Delegate Tran, but um, I would tell you one, uh, first thing I would say is this is why decisions such as this should be made by providers, uh, physicians, uh, and uh, the uh, mothers uh, and fathers that, that are involved. Um, there are, you know, when we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done. Uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, And it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, The infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So, so I think this was really blown out of proportion. Uh, but again, we want the government not to be involved in these types of decisions. We want the decision to be made by uh, the, the mothers and their providers. And, and this is why Julie, that legislators, most of whom are men, by the way, shouldn't be telling a woman what she should and shouldn't be doing with her body. And do you think multiple physicians should have to weigh in as is currently required? She's trying to lift that requirement. Well, I think it's always good to get uh, a second opinion and for for at least two providers to be involved in that decision because these decisions shouldn't be taken lightly. And and so, you know, I I would certainly support more than one provider. All right. Let's uh, go back to the phones now uh, for the governor. Okay, so uh, good news. Uh, the, uh, the the governor of Virginia at least thinks that before you murder a baby that has already been born, you should at least have two doctors help you make that decision. This is what it's come to, y'all. This is what the Democrats have, the level they've stooped down to. And this is not uh, some rogue um, left-wing nut job crazy that just happened to to get into office on a on a whim, or some low-level Democrat staffer out in in uh, California making these comments on Twitter. This is the governor of Virginia, which. By the way, some people would consider Virginia a somewhat southern state. And, of course, us here in Alabama could debate that, uh, as they say, until the cows come home. This is middle America, Virginia, y'all. Now, this bill, as some of y'all know, uh, this bill was defeated 
in the Virginia State House and Senate. But it was only defeated by one single vote. One single vote. And this is not just going on in Virginia. This is going on in, in several other states across the country where Democrats think this is a good idea. This is completely out of, out of the, the, the norm of Democrats' abortion ideals. Used to be, well, you know, Roe v. Wade, we got to, you know, you know, if it's the first trimester, the, the mother should be able to make the decision. And we moved on to the second trimester. Then we got to the 2016 election and the Democrat nominee for the president of the United States, when asked about this, said that abortion should uh, be able to to be conducted any time before the baby's born. Hillary Clinton said those things on the campaign trail, as well as, as most Democrats did. The, the, the senator from Alabama, Doug Jones, said the same thing, that it's a woman's choice up until birth, if, you know, if she wants to uh, abort the baby. And they always go back to if the mother's health is at risk, which everybody knows that if, if a mom's going to die, then you got to save one or the other. That's a completely, completely different scenario. What we're talking about here, what the Virginia governor is saying here is a doctor letting the mom, hey, letting the mom know, hey, your your baby's got something wrong with it. Your baby looks like it's got Down syndrome or uh, it's a it's a preemie that's only got thirty percent chance of surviving, or uh, it's got some some physical deformity. So as it lays over here on the table, we're going to make it comfortable while it patiently waits on its mother and a doctor or two to make a decision on whether or not we're going to go ahead and kill it. This is where they're at. A governor in middle America making these statements. Not Diane Feinstein out in California. Well, I'm taking, you know, I'm just, I'm making comparisons here. Not the crazies out in Washington State or Oregon or even Andrew Cuomo in New York. This is the governor of Virginia. Now, the Democrats who coined a term over these border wall negotiations, moving the goalpost, you heard them say that so many times. The reason they know about moving the goalpost so well, even though they misdiagnosed what was actually moving the goalpost during those discussions, the Democrats know that so well because they are a master at moving the goalpost. And I mean that in the sense of of policy and what is the norm in America. Moving the bar, moving the standard, moving the precedent on certain issues. In this instance, when it comes to abortion, I just gave you the timeline of, of how Democrats laid it out there. 
Start off in the first trimester, move on to the second, then just, hey, as long as the baby's not born, you should have the right to kill it. Now, they're wanting mothers to be able to make the decision after the baby is born. Just, just think about that. Think about it. And Democrats are in a battle against society in dehumanizing uh, a, a fetus, a, an unborn child. Let's let's forget about the Virginia governor's comments for a moment, and let's just talk about the issue of the baby before it's born. The Democrats are battling technology on this front. As we progress and we get more uh, more advanced, and and we get four D. Uh, ultrasounds, and there's all these things that during pregnancy, a mom and a dad can can see how human, how much of a person uh, a baby is when it's in the womb. You've seen the pictures. I know some of you guys may have had kids a while back and you haven't been through the pregnancy thing recently, but if you go, you can get a, a 4D ultrasound and you can get a, a full-blown, very detailed picture of the baby inside the womb that shows in great detail that this is a human being. Nothing really humanizes a baby in the womb quite like these 4D ultrasounds. Democrats are battling things like that. They don't want people to think, and whether you're uh, an expecting mother or not, just society in general, they don't want you to think in any way, shape, or form, that a baby in the womb, I don't even like to call it a fetus, a baby inside the womb is not a person, is not a human being, isn't capable of, uh, of, of feeling pain or even emotion. They don't want that. And they're up against technology. They're battling technology. Even in, in, in earlier discussions of this stuff, they're against bills that force doctors to tell patients, potential abortion patients, about the, the options that they have. Whether that be abortion or uh, a, a doctor conducting an ultrasound to say, hey, I just want to make sure before you make this very, very big and irreversible decision... You see this ultrasound. You hear this heartbeat. They're against that because they do not want you to think these are humans. Whether this is the the, the population control, uh, globalization, uh, the the NWO, whatever the case is, whatever conspiracy theory you've got, I'm good with it. I just know. The Democrats are sick, sick people. And this may be, this right here may be the best thing that happens to Republicans, the best thing that happens to Donald Trump as far as the 2020 election. As scary as it is to hear that come out of the mouth of of leaders, quote-unquote leaders in this country, it may ultimately be a good thing because I firmly believe that the people of this country, the normal, responsible people, 
that love this country and really love life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness find those things absolutely abhorrent. This is no longer Roe v. Wade's the law of the land. Get the government out of my body. It's a woman's choice. We're talking about killing a being that is officially breathing on its own. And the irony here is that the same day that the Democrats introduced that legislation, they introduced legislation to save caterpillars. A certain endangered species, right? They introduced legislation to save caterpillars on the same day they introduced legislation to kill babies after they're born. You guys have heard me say this time and time again that when the abortion fight comes up, whether it's with your friends or you're, you're arguing about it on Facebook or they're arguing about it on Capitol Hill, that you don't start with the morality of the abortion issue. You don't start with it's a life. The other person says it's not a life. It's a, it's a clump of cells. Uh, blah, 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 blah. You don't start there. You, you start where everybody can agree. Because apparently Democrats are fiscal conservatives now, as we know. They don't like to spend money. That, that thing happened overnight. You start with defunding Planned Parenthood, which is, outside of the abortion issue, is a completely corrupt organization that is still receiving $500 million a year of taxpayer money. $500 million a year. And is not providing services that women need. Not providing health care services or enough of the health care services that women require. Some Planned Parenthood branches only provide abortions and that's it. Most don't even have mammogram machines. So I used to say, start the conversation there. Start with a discussion about why we should defund Planned Parenthood. Now this has come along. These comments have happened. And I believe we are now past that point. That we do have to move to the morality of the, uh, of the, of the discussion. The morality of this issue. Democrats have gone so far left, and this is something you've got, you guys have seen. I've seen it. We've talked about it. The Democrats have propped up these candidates that are so far left, they would have JFK rolling over in his grave. They end up winning office, and now the old Democrats that have been in there for 30 and 40 years feel like they're obligated to support these liberal leftist wacko activists that have all of a sudden gained power in the halls of, of Congress. So now they're going further and further and further left. America's not gonna not gonna stand up for it. 
They're not. They can't. It is absolutely sickening, though. And for anybody, and I get this all the time because I have plenty of discussions with, with people on the left, and I'm usually pretty civilized, believe it or not. I seem bombastic at times here on the show, but I keep it pretty civilized, and I always want to hear the other side of the story. It's why I watch these stupid channels like MSNBC. It's why I watch stupid people like Rachel Maddow. I want to hear the other side. But this thing is is long gone from a discussion about a woman's right. We feel the same way about that kind of abortion, killing it after it's born, as we do about the abortion before it's exited the womb. But this is on a completely other level. It's sickening. Again, it may be a gift to Republicans, but as long as we allow this kind of stuff, there's always going to be a chance that that stuff, with the right person in power, can get implemented. Just imagine this. Imagine imagine that Hillary Clinton won, won the presidency. We're in an alternate universe. Hillary Clinton is president today, January 31st, 2019. Serving her second year of her first term. And these comments come out from this Virginia governor. Then the press goes and they ask Madam President what she thinks about those comments. Tell me what you think she says. She'll probably agree with it. At that point, you have the most powerful person on the planet agreeing with one of the most absurd ideas, policy ideas, that we may have ever have heard in our life. Let them keep going left. They don't own the White House. They don't own the Senate. That kind of stuff is not going to pass on a national level anytime soon. But one day it might. Over the line. Y'all hang tight.
At the Democratic convention, one of Hillary Clinton's most enthusiastic constituencies is the pro-choice movement. Tonight, Chief Legal Correspondent Shannon Bream looks at where Clinton stands on the issue of abortion and how apparently it differs with where most Americans stand. Fox News has confirmed that vice presidential nominee Senator Tim Kaine, who describes himself as personally pro-life, made a private deal to back Secretary Clinton's plans to repeal the Hyde Amendment, the measure that blocks federal tax dollars from being used to fund abortions. It's a shift for the man who's got a nearly perfect pro-choice voting record, despite his support of a ban on partial birth abortion and four parental notification laws. And it's a win for pro-choice advocates who are taking center stage at the DNC this week, pledging to do everything in their power to make sure Clinton becomes the next president. Hillary has always been in Planned Parenthood's corner because she knows women deserve someone who is in there. She will always stand up for the right of every woman to access a full range of reproductive health care, including abortion, no matter her economic status. Hillary Clinton not only supports expanded access to abortion, she's also made clear she believes personal convictions of average Americans shouldn't stand in her way. Laws have to be backed up with resources and political will and deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs and structural biases have to be changed. A brand new poll by Marist shows Clinton is out of step with the majority of Americans on this controversial topic. 78% say they support substantial restrictions on abortion, including 62% of those who self-identify as pro-choice. And 62% of all those surveyed say they oppose the use of taxpayer dollars for abortions. Social conservatives say the numbers prove they're turning the tide. Since 1973, the pro-life movement has never been stronger. The pro-choice movement and the Democratic Party on this issue have never Referring to the DNC's most pro-choice platform in history, pro-life Democrat Senator Joe Manchin said it's, quote, crazy to force those uh, who don't agree to pay for abortions with their tax dollars. Uh, another pro-life Democrat, Senator Bob Case, who actually spoke here earlier at the DNC this week, also read a letter to the platform committee criticizing the move. Brett. Shannon, thank you. Got a really good take on the abortion issue. 
Ben Shapiro always outspoken against uh, abortion as well as other important issues ranging from transgenderism to Israel and their right to exist, but particularly on abortion. And he, on his radio show, I think it broadcast midday each day. It's not bad. And he's got a regular radio show that uh, broadcast across the country, but it comes on pretty late. I don't remember if it's a weekday show or it's a weekend show, but he's got a show on the radio. I want to say either 99.5 or 105.5 here in Birmingham broadcast it. And it's not bad. I have a hard time dealing with a squeaky voice, but I have a squeaky voice too, so I can't judge. Um, He made some comments on this issue just yesterday and I want you to hear that Ben Shapiro on the insane new tactic by the Democrats openly embracing infanticide the genocide of infants Democrats are moving in an increasingly radical direction when it comes to abortion and it's frightening honestly it's frightening we're now living in a world where the Democrats have decided to full-scale embrace the most extreme version of pro-abortion law. There used to be a time when Democrats were in favor of safe, legal, and rare. That is not a thing anymore. Safe, legal, and rare is not a thing for Democrats. The only thing they care about now is the ability to kill babies up to point of birth. And this is not an exaggeration. This is a basic, obvious truth. I'm not the one who's even saying it. There's a Virginia bill that is now set to legalize abortion all the way to point of birth. Yeah. So... During the break, you heard a report from Fox News that was during the Democrat National Convention back in 2016, I guess, the summer of 2016. And I've played that because it gave you some insight on where the, the Clinton camp stood on abortion. Now, you had Tim Kaine who is, I believe he's a devout Catholic, and he's got morals. But once he joined the Hillary Clinton campaign, he sold those morals for a chance to be the vice president of the United States. He, like many other Democrats that were once pro-life, have sold their soul as well. You, however, have some that have not done so, like you heard him mention Joe Manchin, who says not only is this abortion conversation absurd, but it's also absurd to ask people that completely disagree with abortion, it's absurd to have them pay for abortions. Because this is different than paying for people's welfare, paying for people's food stamps, paying for, you know, other kids' schools or highways or or whatever. All the things that we pay for with our taxes. It's even different than a politician taking your taxes and taking luxurious vacations to Puerto Rico and Hawaii, as the Democrats often do. Those instances aren't even close to forcing people to pay 
for the murder of another human being. It's more than just, oh, you're wasting my money. I don't want you to waste my money. It's about you're taking my money and you're covering it in the blood of infants. You're taking my money, the money that I worked hard for, that I give to the IRS because I believe in this country and I know we need things. There's there's things that the government must provide us. There's no way around it. You're taking that money and you're literally killing other human beings with it. That is above and beyond wasteful spending. That is murder, that is immoral, and that is forcing people to have blood on their hands. Because think about it. You can't just stop paying taxes. We all know that. You stop paying taxes, you'll get thrown in jail. Unless you're Al Gore or Michael Avenatti or what? not Al Gore, Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton, Michael Avenatti, or many of the other... Democrats that don't pay their taxes and aren't held accountable. You can't stop paying your taxes. So you have to continue to pay them. And in a way, the government is forcing you to have the blood of infants on your hands. Because myself, you guys listening to this podcast, everybody that pays taxes... In one way or another, we have blood on our hands. Even if one penny, one penny contributed, one penny of our money contributed to one single abortion. That means we had a part in it. We didn't have a choice. We were forced to have a part in it. So Democrats and politicians are taking the blood of infants and they are painting our hands with it against our will. It's sickening to think about it that way, but it's the truth. There's no way uh, no way around it. And that's what's going on here. And that's what's been going on. That's not legislation in the wedding. That's that's what we've been doing for years and years. We've been complicit in the murder of other human beings. Against our will. Now we're taking it to the next level. Most of us that are pro-life, we uh, uh, view killing a baby outside of the womb versus inside of the womb. They're both the same thing. But the thought of doing it outside the womb after the baby is born is just grotesque and an absurd overreach in a scary level that our government has reached. The fact that they feel comfortable enough to openly say these things on a, a, on a public radio show and be proud of it. It's not like he's, he's apologizing today. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I should have never said that. No, 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 no. No apology. And you probably won't get an apology. 
This is the way they think. This is them moving the goalpost. They've been in the business of dehumanizing babies for years now. And they've gradually made their way up the pregnancy timeline. First trimester, second trimester. Just how about just as long as the baby's not born, it's still just a clump of cells. It's not a real person. Science proves it. This is their favorite go-to. Whether it's global warming or whatever. Well, scientist says it. Science says it's 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 not a human being. I heard a science a scientist say it. They keep moving and moving and moving and they don't plan on stopping. If you think this is the end of the road and this is the Democrats' ultimate goal to be able to perform an abortion after the baby's born, that's not where they stop. We used to joke and say, uh, you know, Democrats, they want to uh, they want to be able to perform abortions up until the child is five years old. You allow this to happen, you'll get to that point. Other countries do it. Other countries are are, are very liberal with their abortions as well. So it, it it's not like this is something new. Democrats have always been in the business of modeling this country after other countries. Using the model of other countries, saying that what they do over there should be implemented here, which obviously cannot be sustainable. I mean, for even the simplest fact of they're comparing us to countries that have uh, a tenth of our population. I believe it was Sweden, maybe. I don't want to say the wrong country. One of those countries over there in that area. They were performing. They 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 were bragging about the fact that they have basically cured Down syndrome. That they that that their uh, success rate of of birthing babies that do not have Down syndrome is at a hundred percent. They've cured it. They no longer have anybody with Down syndrome. But it turns out what they were doing is if they even thought a baby in the womb had the potential to have Down syndrome, they would go ahead and abort it. Even if there was a chance. Hundreds of thousands of babies were probably murdered that didn't have Down syndrome. It was just the doctor had a hunch it may, may be the case, may have Down syndrome. So let's go ahead and kill it. Democrats would love to have that policy in this country. They would love it, love it. One more time, I want to play you the Virginia governor. And I know you've already heard it once, but I think it's very important that you hear this again and this is stuck in your head and the power you wield whenever you go to the voting booth. You remember this, and you remember that this man is part of a, a, a political party that if they don't openly embrace it right now, they will, and they'll be embracing it soon. Here's the Contentious uh, Committee hearing yesterday. Here's the Virginia governor on a uh, radio station. I don't know what radio station it is, uh, but 
they should apologize as well for allowing this idiot on their airwaves. Today, when Fairfax County Delegate Kathy Tran made her case for lifting restrictions on third trimester abortions, as well as other restrictions now in place. And she was pressed by a Republican delegate about whether her bill would permit an abortion, even as a woman is essentially dilating, ready to give birth. And she answered that it would permit an abortion at that stage of labor. Do you support her measure and, and explain her answer. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I wasn't there, uh, Julie, and I, I certainly can't speak for uh, Delegate Tran, but um, I would tell you one uh, first thing I would say is this is why decisions such as this should be made by providers, uh, physicians, uh, and uh, the uh, mothers uh, and fathers that, that are involved. Um, there are, you know, when we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done. Uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, And it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, The infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So Sickening. Absolutely sickening. Now we just toss it over there on the table and uh, we'll make a decision. If, uh, if the mom wants to keep it, we'll... We'll uh, make sure it stays alive. If not, we'll we'll kill it. Like she's shopping for a car, okay. Well, I mean, we'll uh, we'll deliver the baby. We'll let her test drive it, and uh, if she doesn't want it, then we'll go ahead and go park it on the lot. Babies are apparently just things. Things that you can own. There was an article from CNBC, and I think I brought this up to you guys. Um, now, CNBC, keep in, keep in mind, this is the, the financial outlet that talks about the stock market and just money in general, right? They did a long article, and I, I wish I could remember the, the author of this piece. A long article about how having kids just ain't worth it. Having kids is such a financial burden that why would anybody want to do that? Why would anybody want to have kids? And then they start running down the the numbers of how much it would cost on average to raise a child until the age of 18 and then even after that college and and all this other stuff or the kids falling on hard times and needing to borrow money from mom and dad this long piece about how you just you don't just don't need to have kids that's the democrat way this is where the democrats have gone to i, I wish i could find the piece because this came out even before the New York thing was big. Andrew Cuomo celebrating uh, the fact that they've legalized abortion to a point like never before. 
even uh, the, the the priest, what's his name, that's at the famous church in, in New York. He refused to excommunicate Andrew Cuomo for, for allowing that stuff to happen, which is completely, completely against Catholicism. You've got to be, if you're Catholic, you've got to be absolutely irate about that. And I've talked to people that uh, practice Catholicism, and they are the people I know. But I know uh, a very small portion of the larger Catholic community. Now, I'm looking for this. I'm hoping I can find this, but I, it's probably uh, probably not going to happen. The CNBC article. Eh, I'm not going to push it. I ain't going to find it. But I wanted to read that to you because it was uh, it was very telling. About the way that these people think. They don't just want you to not have babies. They want you to murder your babies. They have this sick fascination with the murder of children. And I can't put my finger on why. I can't explain why they're so adamant about this stuff, but they are. My man Murph makes a great point. He's like, hey, since Roe v. Wade, America's killed 41 million people. Since Roe v. Wade, 41 million murdered That's almost four times the amount of people that Hitler killed. The most evil man in history. Killing 11 million people. Yet, one law in this country from the 70s has killed four times that. So what does that make us as a country? And I say us because we're all in this together. We're all Americans. Even if we didn't make this decision, we oppose this decision. We're still living with it. We're still living with the fact that our hard-earned money is being used to pay for these things. So what does that say about us? Listen, there's going to be a lot to talk about on the front of abortion. And uh, we'll, obviously, we'll obviously talk about it uh, as, as the week goes on, when we get into next week. This, this issue is not going to go away. Again, I'll sit and wait for an apology from this guy as the backlash continues to increase. I don't know uh, if that'll happen. I highly doubt it'll happen. But we will... In fact, see. Uh, what else is going on across the way? That's going to be, how about the temperatures in the Midwest? It is absolutely dangerous out there. The latest temperatures in the Midwest and the Northeast who are getting it the worst right now. Uh, let's see. Chicago is currently sitting in a nice 14 degrees below zero. Uh, Bismarck, 
North Dakota, minus four. How about Minneapolis at minus 19 degrees? Detroit, minus eight. Des Moines, Iowa, minus four. Those are some cold, cold temperatures. Um, and even in Hell, Michigan, it is negative seven degrees with a wind chill of 28 below zero. You know what that means, people. Hell has officially frozen over. Some amazing, amazing pictures coming out of here. They've even got this thing called uh, frost quakes, which sounds like a cereal. But apparently people in Chicago are hearing loud cracking sounds due to the bitter cold. And there's a report from Chicago CBS on this. And actually, I'll just uh, I'll let you hear that for yourself. Let's see if we can pull this up. Because I'm sure this is, uh, <laughs> is going to be riveting. Where are we at? Come on, Chicago CBS. Where you at? All right. We got it. We got it. We got it. Y'all hang tight. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. We're good. Let's We've go. been getting emails and calls from viewers all day about a phenomenon that happens when it gets this cold. They've been startled by loud booms and cracking sounds, and they're not sure where they're coming from. One possibility, we're told, is something called a frost quake. A contractor we spoke to says it happens a lot. The ground gets saturated with water and ice. When it expands, it can crack and make a loud booming sound. And we talked to Chicago's building department. They say those loud sounds also can be made by metal or wood in your home expanding and contracting because of the cold. It could be your house frame, rooftop, floorboards, even air pockets inside your house. Bottom line, it's a natural occurrence when the weather is this cold. Wow. Frosted quakes. <laughs> that's, that's pretty intense. There's no telling what, that, uh, what that's like up there. I hate that. Uh, but next week in Washington, D.C., it's supposed to be 65 degrees. So uh, there's that. Other headlines, Trump is telling Republicans that they're wasting their time on border security talks with Democrats. I agree with that. I hope that turns out to not be the case, but I don't know. Was watching America's Newsroom this morning with Bill Hemmer and whatever the other chick's name is. Not the regular one. This is the dark-headed chick. Um, and they brought up one Democrat representative, and I can't tell you what his name is because I already forgot, but... Uh, they were asking him, what are the Democrats going to compromise on these border talks? Because Republicans and, and Trump, he's offering them everything they want. And he kept dodging the question and dodging the question. Which tells me, because he's got his talking points, that's how it works in Washington, D.C. Any of these surrogates or, or people, the representatives that get on TV and, and they, they talk to these these commentators about this stuff. They've They've got their talking points ready. They're, you know. They know what to say. He gets on there and just dodges it. Never answers the question of what they're going to compromise. Why? Because they're not going to compromise. It's not going to happen. Also, a former Trump worker is set to attend the State of the Union speech on February the 5th. Now, what do I mean by that? Apparently, Mar-a-Lago, 
has just recently fired a handful of illegal immigrants that were working there at the golf resort. Illegal immigrants were working at Mar-a-Lago, Trump's golf resort, and uh, they were found out about, whether by uh, reporters or the the staff within Mar-a-Lago. I don't know. I didn't see any reports of it until after they were fired, so I don't know if... uh, if they got busted after the fact or, or whatever. Nonetheless, uh, New Jersey Democrat Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman is now saying that she's bringing one of those illegal immigrants to the State of the Union speech as her guest. So this is what Democrats do. They take somebody that is openly and at that time, breaking the law, and they bring them into the House chamber to sit and watch the State of the Union speech. An illegal immigrant that is not supposed to be in this country, a Democrat is bringing one to the State of the Union speech. Now, I can't help but wonder, how close will that illegal immigrant be sitting to an angel mom who lost their husband or their son or their daughter at the hands of an illegal immigrant, somebody that's not supposed to be here. Are they going to sit beside each each other? As far as the illegal immigrants working in Mar-a-Lago, of course, politically, it's not a good look. But if we're talking about Trump as an individual, Trump as a business owner, Trump's not on the ground conducting the hiring process for the people that do the maintenance on the golf course. And maybe that's wrong of me to assume these illegal immigrants were actually out there cutting the grass and maintaining the greens. But I'm just going to go ahead and say that's a safe assumption. Trump's not there for that process. Did he know he's there hiring illegal immigrants? Maybe. Probably not. Chances are, Trump tells the guy in charge down there, hey, I want you to hire the best people, but do it at the best price. Trump is about saving money. So do what you can. Get us us the best people you can for the best price. And then, you know, John Smith, who's running the operation, says, yes, sir, goes out and says, man, I'll look good if I hire these illegal immigrants who'll do fantastic work for a portion of the cost. And then I can go back to my boss, Donald Trump, and say, look, look at all this money we saved. Good job, John Smith. You did a good job. Chances are that's what happened. But nonetheless, you've got this representative for Uh, New Jersey, this congresswoman from New Jersey, who will be bringing one of those illegal immigrants to the State of the Union. What's next? Convicted murderers? Listen, (laughs) Democrats are no strangers to bringing suspect figures into, uh, into the White House. You remember the one time, and I don't remember the guy's name, it was some rapper, 
that uh, Obama brought to the White House for one of his speeches. And in the middle of the speech, the rapper's ankle bracelet, his his uh, uh, home arrest bracelet from his probation officer started to, to go off in the middle of Obama's speech. Democrats are no stranger to bringing the riffraff in the White House or Capitol Hill in this case. So that's out there. Uh, plenty more things that we could talk about. We just don't really uh, really have time to do so. A- another topic is this Schultz guy, the, 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 the Starbucks CEO. He is, uh, he is attempting to run for president as an independent. And apparently he's catching a lot of heat. People are are wearing him out for jumping in as an independent and a liberal. They're wearing him out because they're saying that he's going to help Donald Trump get reelected. They're viewing him as the, the, the Jill Stein of the 2020 race. It's going to take away votes from whoever is the nominee. They don't mind him running. But they don't want him to run as an independent. They want him to run as a Democrat. So it's going to be either him or somebody else that everybody can collectively get behind. But he's going toe-to-toe with not only constituents that think it's a bad idea for him to do that, but even some of the uh, the Democrat front runners that have already announced they're running for president. Just yesterday, he had to shoot down an attack from Elizabeth Warren, who said that because he's a billionaire, he's out of touch with America. And uh, he responded with this defense of the American dream or whatever. He said, Senator Elizabeth Warren said some pretty sharp words about me. She referred to me as a billionaire out of touch with American people. He said, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York in federally subsidized housing, the projects. When I was seven years old, my father, who was a laborer, came home and had a serious accident. He was dismissed from his job. We lost our health care. I witnessed the fracturing of the American dream. I started with nothing, and I made it in America because of the aspiration, the magnetism, and the spirit of our country. I've always believed in the promise of the country. What is the promise of the country? What is the what is is regardless of your situation in life or your station in life, the color of your skin, the ge- your gender, your sexual orientation, whatever you might be, that everyone should have a chance in America. Then he goes on to hammer both Republicans and Democrats saying what we need right now in America is for the country to come together and for the Democrats and Republicans who have been unwilling to work together to finally realize that the American people deserve so much more, blah, 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 blah. I say wear it out. Now, uh, this Howard Schultz thing, I guess, could be a a double-edged sword because you have voters in swing states that could possibly, that are, you know, not going to go as far left as the Democrats have gone and could possibly stick with Trump. But if this guy's in there, they could go go with him. 
But it really seems as if he would garner more votes from the Democrat Party than the Republican Party. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the nerdy, nerdy politics stuff on, on that front. We can do that at another time. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up. That's one of the big headlines of the day as well. Also, Big Tech, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, they're having an earnings blowout. And not in not in the sense that you may necessarily think. People say they care about Facebook's privacy scandals, but their actions show that they don't. And, and what that means is Facebook is reporting now a strong quarter of earnings led by impressive statistics on user activity for the fourth quarter of 2018. I keep hearing from a lot of people, talking heads and whatever, that uh, people are are leaving Facebook in mass, and, and that's not to diminish people that are actually leaving Facebook because those people are out there. But I think when you're talking about the larger population, that's not really happening. Now, what does that mean for people that's concerned about their privacy or their data being being uh, being sold? Congress and the government, they can continue to, to try and force Facebook to do this, that, and the other, although they shouldn't. Facebook is a private company. And even though I don't agree with them on this front, the government should keep their paws off of a private business. It's up to us, the consumers, to decide if what they're doing is ethical or not. And if it's not, if it's that unethical, we all leave. Apparently that is not happening, at least on a large scale. So Facebook will continue to thrive. But now Facebook is not completely opposed to these regulations because if they, if they go along with this stuff, then they get some sort of government protection that then... Uh, protects them from this, that, and the other, and they get a lot more leeway of doing what they want to do. I, I don't want to get into that either. I, I, that, that's a long discussion we can have at another time, and I know a lot of you guys are interested in it, and a lot of you guys know more about it than I do, uh, but we can talk about that another time. It is uh, just one of the headlines coming across the way today. But that's it for this episode of Over the Line. We have uh, officially wrapped up a full week. Well, I take that back. It's not a full week. We did three shows this week, which is good. I was on 99.5 on Monday, so we didn't put a podcast out, but we'll keep it going. We may, we may have you a special podcast this weekend. And if you want to, uh, if you want to witness that live, then just keep an eye on social media or subscribe to this channel. If you subscribe to this channel and click the notification bell, every time we go live here on Facebook, it'll send it to your phone and say, hey, over the line is on air. Over the line's got a live video going right now. And then you can watch it, hang out, whatever. There's no football on Saturday or anything like that, so you ain't got nothing else to do. Don't play like you do. 
If we don't do that, I can't confirm or deny that we're doing it because I really don't know at this point. But if we don't, we will be back on Monday with a brand new episode for your face, for your ears. And I'm sure there will be plenty to discuss at that point. Again, overthelineshow.com. And I want to remind you right before we get out of here about Nick the Marketer. NickTheMarketer.com. Good, good friend of mine that is helping us here with this show has always been supportive of not only Over the Line, but even back when it was the line, one of our number one supporters made sure that we kept everything going that we needed to. If you've got a desire to make your online presence seen, if you want people to search for whatever product or service you're offering and you want to make sure they're going to trip over your website and that search engine before they get to anything else, Nick the Marketer is going to help you out with that. He's going to take your website, build yourself a website, keep up your social media, all while you get to track how much traffic you're getting from that. NickTheMarketer.com. You can call him at 205 210-9550 205-610-9550 and again nickthemarketer.com what these guys do is they turn clicks into customers and nobody does a better job than them when you get in touch with it make sure you tell them you heard it right here on Over the Line don't forget we're on Apple Podcasts Spotify CastBox Google Podcasts uh Pocket Casts, Radio Public, all kinds of places. And Anchor. Don't forget about Anchor. This episode will be posted soon when it gets posted to share it with your friends, your family, and all that stuff. Let them know. Let them know the good news. And let them know that uh, Democrats are the number one threat to the life of unborn children. Until next week, see you, cousin.